You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. It's great to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in the Wondery Sunset Studios in Los Angeles. I'm a writer and a producer, and I'm here with my sister Liz Dolan. Hey, Liz. Yeah, I'm here at uh, Wondery Sunset Studio, too, looking across at uh, Leanne in her French-themed scarf I jewelry. did. I dug oh, it up. I yes. dug it up, a vintage Nicole Miller with Notre Dame on it yeah. from uh, the early 90s. Yeah, That's so nice. This is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm it, literally in my closet in Dallas, Texas, because that makes it sound better, we think. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm really happy to be with you. I'm an empty nester, an urban nana. And uh, yes, Leanne, we have to, and Liz, we have to start with the sort of still incomprehensible news that Notre Dame burned yesterday in a massive and tragic fashion. Fire. I mean, yeah, yeah. it is such a tragedy. The art, the history, that, you know, a house of worship. It certainly it is a symbol of Paris. It has been in so many books and movies. Even if you have never been to Paris, we all recognize it. It is a symbol of Paris, of France, of Catholicism. And for it to happen Holy Week, it just seems even more tragic. Yeah, um, yeah. The, but uh, I... I did like what I think so many people did yesterday. You just stopped and stared at those images. And then I think you reached out to your satellite sisters. I sent you both texts about this. I was, can you believe it? And, you know, I immediately thought of my um, my roommate. I did my junior year abroad in France. Um, and I had a roommate, Linda, uh, who has um, sadly has passed away. But I just think of all the times that we, because our we lived with a French family that lived fairly close to Notre Dame, and we would go there on Sunday nights to hear organ concerts, and we would go. You know, it was it was in the old days, sisters, when it wasn't so packed with tourists every single day. But it just made me so sad. It made me think about that sad time, as I think everybody is just sort of stopped and and. Mm-hmm. was captivated by that horrendous fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just ripped through so fast. It was hard to take your eyes off it. Yeah. And I, I did post on Facebook, and a lot of people in our Facebook group responded. I was really touched to see everybody posting their photos of, here's me and my family at Notre Dame. I don't know. I just really thought that was a very yeah. charming tribute because I was surprised to read that it was the most visited monument in Europe. I with yeah. 13 million visitors a year. I had always always assumed that would be St. Peter's or the Vatican, but no. I think it's just right there in the heart of Paris. Mm-hmm. It was where Paris began. Last year when I was there with my son, we stayed right behind it on Ile Saint Louis, and uh, you know walked out every morning. We never went in uh, because <laughs> because the, line the lines too were too long. Lines were too now long. Now they're yeah. two or three hours to stand in line, and you know you think, well, we'll go next time. And that is yeah. sort of a stunning thing to think that it's it's hard to even imagine in our lifetime it you would be able to go in again. Yeah. Based yeah. on the the amount of damage, but it was an ex, it's an extraordinary building with extraordinary history. So much history. Yeah. So much history. Well, when I think of Notre Dame, I think of the fact that our father happened to be in Paris on business uh the day that John Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. 
and being the good Irish Catholic that he is, when he heard that in the evening uh, on the news in Paris, the first thing he did was go to Notre Dame to pray for the president. And he said he was in Notre Dame and the entire French government, including Charles de Gaulle, walked in to do the same thing. So Notre, that was that kind of moment, and Notre Dame was that kind of place. Right, right. So if you want to post your photos of Notre Dame, go to our Facebook group. We would love to see them. It's just— Yes, it's, it's, it's lovely to see that. I think it helps— I, I think it helps with the mourning and the grief to right. see how many families have enjoyed uh, their visits there. Right, right. I love seeing them. So uh, post them at our Facebook group, the Satellite Sisters. If you're not a member, you can just ask to join. And um, yeah, we pretty much let anyone. <laughs> as long as you're a real person. Answer that's all. That's our only standard. Answer Liz your question. is against robots <laughs> being in the Facebook group. You do have to answer we the question. We tried questions. to convince her, but she is a no robot person. All right. Uh, we have a full show beyond talking about Notre Dame today. Liz, you're bringing us a bitter business bureau. I'm so bitter. So bitter. <laughs> These unicorns. Stop already with the unicorns. Okay. Julie has some latest on the college admissions scandal. Julie is yeah, uh, just, we're going deep on that subject, Leanne. We have just a little bit of expertise. And so that makes us dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're covering that story. Also, I have what I like to refer to as magazine tidbits. So, <laughs> so it's always good when we see again, that on the pitch list. Another one of our specialties, going deep on shallow topics. Yes. So it's got some tidbits for you all. But uh, magazines are great. They right? are. They're all about the tidbits. Yes. So uh, we also have an entertaining sisters today. We have some really exciting book news coming up. I'm very excited. Yeah. So we're going to announce a couple of authors that will be on the show, including a big, big, big one. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, Liz, you went to the LA Times Festival of Books this yeah, week. You I have a couple of book tips from that. Did some just some light stalking, some fangirling. Oh, okay, stalking. <laughs> yeah. It was stalking, okay. and um, but it worked. It worked. That's but, what matters. And I have some podcast recommendations. But first, one of the other stories that we all we could not take our eyes away from the television this week was the return of Tiger Woods. Pretty amazing. I, I found myself completely absorbed in watching the Masters, which mm-hmm. uh, if you if you watch the Masters this weekend, you'll know like went on shockingly early because they were trying to get ahead of weather. Uh-huh. So in our household, nothing is better than watching sports at 6 a.m. So <laughs> I got up. And when my husband was watching the Masters live, I was like, wait, what's happening? Is this the live Masters? He's like, oh, yeah, rain delay. I was like, well, this is our kind of sporting event st- starting at 6 a.m. And he had already Scramble some eggs. Get going. <laughs> it is right. exactly what we did, Julie. Eggs, bacon. I mean, he'd already watched the Formula One race at 4 a.m. So it's good to go. But... You know, Tiger, people have a lot of mixed feelings about him. Mm -hmm. A a phenomenal athlete. I'm Mm -hmm. fascinated by him as a world-class athlete, as I am by many world-class athletes. You know, he had an 11-year span where he didn't win a single major. Uh Through that, he went—it was just a case of personal destruction— he destroyed his marriage. He destroyed a lot of credibility. He destroyed his marketability. Mm-hmm. He had four back surgeries. There were times when he was like crawling on the on the greens to get around to play in tournaments and to try to come back. So to watch him on Sunday, I, that was an extraordinary athletic performance. Mm-hmm. But, and I found it very emotional at the end when he won. It was. It was very emotional. Julie, were you watching? 
You know, I was in the airport, but er, er, with everyone watching Tiger Woods. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, I think you were really captivated at people coming off the plane. Everybody was watching, um, watching the story. And I think it is obviously a a story of redemption. It is a man that has faced, you know, personal demons that he has brought on himself. Uh, you know, he has struck, he has been humiliated. He has struggled. Um, and, but, and I, and we do, we've taken a pretty hard line on Tiger Woods, uh, in the past, but I mean, you had to cheer him on. Yeah. You have to feel that, you know, this is, this is a man that has been through a lot and he has come out the other side and, uh, he's a different person now. I, it, it seems to me, uh, and, uh, I think you can really celebrate that. I was, you know, the, so I was looking on social media. It was interesting to see what a nice tweet Serena Williams wrote to him, where, you know, she is the greatest of all time in her sport, but has faced struggles, has faced difficulties, you know, faced challenges going on. And for her to recognize, you know, what Tiger did, I thought was was particularly meaningful to me. Yeah, I think other world-class athletes really see themselves in Tiger and ha- always have. I remember, you know, I was head of marketing at Nike when we first signed Tiger. So I knew him, you know, when he was 20 and we would sit in a room with a bunch of people and sort of plan what this whole career for him was going to be. And I remember, I mean, and we signed him for such a huge pile of money. I remember us saying to ourselves, well, he doesn't need to even win anything for the next five years. Like if he could just <laughs> like right. be in the game for five years and then we could start to pay this off down the road. But so then the next year when he, <laughs> when he, won, he the won the Masters, I was sitting in the airport in Tokyo, believe it or not, coming home from some business trip in Asia, watching that scene on the green when he wins and then he hugs his father. I can remember that moment so vividly and being so excited for him and by extension for us. Uh, <laughs> that, that And then seeing that replayed in the different way on Sunday when he hugged his son, who you realize... Yeah had never seen him win. Yeah, that uh, was right. that, that was, was pretty, pretty dramatic, dramatic to think about. Yeah, right. it was very I it was very cool. I'm happy for him. Right. Right. Well, he, Liz, I, I Liz and Lee and I know you both have worked at Nike. Uh, you know, obviously Nike will <laughs> plan a new campaign, but I hope they plan like a different campaign for Tiger. Like that reflects, you know, the the hardship that he's gone through, the maturity that he has, you know, mm-hmm. the humility that he's gained. Uh Rather than, you know, oh, he was always a superhero and now he's back, you know, being, you know, a super golfer again. You know what I mean? I don't know, Joel. People aren't that turned on by humility. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) I I think you're right in the, yeah, in the larger sense of things. It is what we appreciate about his story. And that's why it has this redemptive quality. But yeah, I'm not. Well, they did turn out that ad moments after he won. They did. Literally, they had they one s- ready to go. They said it was sitting in the can waiting for him to win for a couple of years about, you know, he's always had the same dream. It's to catch Jack Nicholas. So you're right. Not not an ad that not reflects humility. everything he's been through. <laughs> but I will say, if he, I am interested in his story. I am interested to know what happened these last 11 years mm-hmm. or and what happened in the years before that led to the last 11 years of just complete self-implosion and mm-hmm. destruction and rebuilding. That's an interesting story to me, whether yes. he chooses to write a book or maybe it'll be a Wondery podcast series. Get that on that. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to, I, I am interested to know how he pulled this off mentally mm-hmm. as well as physically because mm-hmm. that's I'm, what I'm athletes do. Yeah. That's what athletes do. 
All right. We first of all, we'd like to salute our accountant, Diane. Diane, thank you so, so much, Diane. And all yes, accountants Diane. everywhere. Yes, you made it. You did it. You made it, accountants. <laughs> it's April 16th as we record this. Yay. You're still alive. <laughs> At one point, I that's had to right. email and our... apparently we are. We're still standing. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's good. That's what, you know, that's... I, this was tax prep weekend, uh, and we are just totally grateful to Diane and all accountants. Uh, and uh, so I was trying to uh, figure... Yeah, I wanted to do something special, not because it was tax weekend, but I was trying to organize a trip for my husband, and we wanted to go back to Big Bend National Park, which is here in Texas. And you know, I visited with my girlfriend earlier in the year, but my husband had never seen it. So I thought, what a perfect time after all the, you know, the tax prep and getting that all in and getting it in the mail to go celebrate at one of the places that actually your tax dollars go to, mm-hmm. which is a, a beautiful national park. And, you know, we're very pro national park. In fact, we um, we purchased uh, those senior lifetime passes. Oh now, yeah! Ian, first of all, first of all, you don't have to be that senior, in my opinion, <laughs> to get one of these. At fifty five is the qualifying age, I believe. Oh. Oh, Oh, so, but it's a lifetime pass. And a couple of years ago, they were going to increase the price. So uh, we, you know, so there was, that was out on the internet. So we were like, okay, we we have to go online. We have to get these lifetime passes and then we'll be good to go for national parks all over the place. And so we did that. We, we, uh, we paid online, all of that. And we received a placard to hang on our car. And we thought that was the pass, but indeed we never received the pass. So we arrive at Big Bend National Park and we think, well, hey, no problem. When we check in at the visitor center, uh, we'll just talk to one of the park rangers. So we go to the visitor center, uh, which is beautiful. It's a, it's a spectacular park to go to. And uh, one of the very nice uh, park rangers, we said, we explained that we had purchased the pass and we just thought, well, could you look us up in the system? And <laughs> yeah. he looked at me and he's like, we don't have a system. I, I was like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a system? You're, you're the national park system. Right. We applied online. We, 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 you were the government. We just paid all our taxes. <laughs> we're, we're in every other system. Everybody else in the world can, you know, email us or tweet us or, you know, send texts. They call us. There are systems all over. And sadly, at the national park system, there is no record of people who have purchased lifetime passes. Oh, that's a good, that's a good system. (laughs) So then they get you to pay again. Did you have to pay again? I don't want to get this national park ranger in trouble, but he looked at us and he believed our story and he let us in. There you go. Okay. Isn't that nice? So I did not, I didn't even tell you which visitor center in Big Bend National Park that this happened so that you can't track that down. But I was shocked with, you know, just you think government is in every aspect of your life, but apparently (laughs) not with the National Park Service. Maybe we should donate more to the National Park Service. Yes, that is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. We would like to welcome our many new listeners to Satellite Sisters. If our tally there over on the Facebook group is any indication, a lot of people saying that they've recently discovered Satellite Sisters. We're so happy to have you. We're so glad that you're listening. Yes, there are hundreds and hundreds of episodes. So, you know, pace yourselves. Pace yourselves, people. But binge away, as several people have told me. I've just discovered you. I'm binge listening. (laughs) So... 
We're going to start to get some shocking and frightening. Yes, some follow up questions to things we don't even remember saying. So that's. (laughs) But if you're new to the show, you can find out everything you need to know at SatelliteSisters.com. Yes, we are real sisters. We've been doing Satellite Sisters for 20 years. We have two other sisters, Sheila and Monica, that occasionally show up. They used to be on the show full time, but they had to go back to work. So we're Mm -hmm. here on Tuesdays posting one show a week. Liz does another show called Safe for Work. I do. So, mm-hmm. And then Julie and I do our TV recaps. So there was some question about, are we going to do a second show? I saw that. But People I like, would like two episodes a week of Satellite Sisters. But we all do two shows a week. Yes. So we already do two shows a week. But, uh, you know, we're going mm-hmm. to check in with our dogs on that. But yeah. uh, for right now, it's one fresh Satellite Sisters a week uh, for 43 weeks a year is yes. what we <laughs> What we promise you. Say that uh, with a smile, Liam. Oh, <laughs> it is with a smile, always, 43 weeks a year. And um, we're happy to have you, so we want to encourage you to, you can follow us on Instagram, at Sat Sisters, or Twitter, at Sat Sisters, or join our Facebook group. It's a very nice group of people over there. Very nice. Yes, very well behaved. There's none of that say. internet behavior, <laughs> no. usually. Yeah. It's very <laughs> rare that very we have to take anyone it's down. It's supportive. Yes. It's informative. And pretty much non-political. Yes. So that it's a good place to go. Yeah. Yes. So we're happy, we're happy to have you. Thank you for listening to the show and share it with your satellite sisters if you enjoy it. My favorite post this well, it's hard to say my favorite. There are so many great posts every week, but I would like to give a special shout out to Mary for her post this week. So you gotta go look at it. Mary, here's the deal. I was on the expo line the other day, which is the, you know. L.A. public transit system, going down to the book festival at USC. And there was a woman opposite me on the train uh, with blue hair. And she wasn't any younger than me. She was probably older than me. And it was sort of a nice silvery gray in parts, but then blue in parts. And Mm. I was looking at her thinking, huh, like, is there an age limit on that? Can you, at what age can you, like, totally start to pull that off because you're old enough right. as opposed to being <laughs> too old, you know? So I was ruminating a lot about hair color, uh, Mary. And then I came home and I logged into the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And there you are. You posted a picture of yourself with this message. Well, sister, I just... Dis- well, sisters, I decided to do something radical with my hair. It's already pixied, so I decided to go the color route. Purple hair at age 58 feels quite liberating. And it, Mary, it looks adorable. It does. It, it was like it was, you. It's a lovely shade of purple. It is. <laughs> it was like you were reading my mind, though, Mary, because I, I think you're right. I think maybe, you know, there are certain ages where you have to give up the wacky hair color, but maybe we're getting back into when we can go for it. So thank you for the inspiration, Mary. I really appreciated it. And happy to see people posting photos of their cheese boards. That's continuing to happen. Oh my God. So we are formulating some sort of cheese boarding contest. We're going to give you details when we get back after our Easter break next mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. But just if you're considering practicing cheese boarding, upping your cheese boarding game, now would be the time to yeah. do it. Because yeah. we've got some things in motion. We're going to let you know in a There'll month. There'll be some prizes, yeah. we think. <laughs> we think. That won't be cheese boards, but yeah. whatever. Or Good cheese or boards or cheese boards. <laughs> but keep posting. Keep posting. All right. Stay with us. We've got a bitter business bureau coming up and more on the emission scandal and, of course, tidbits. Uh, but first, we'd like to thank these sponsors. 
We're so grateful to have ButcherBox as a sponsor of Satellite Sisters. We're grateful, Liz, because delicious cuts of meat and fish come to our house, to our front door. They're frozen in perfectly proportioned, you know, pieces, and then we can cook them for a delicious dinner. What's not to be grateful for? I know. I know. And the best part is, like, okay, let me use last night as an example. It got to be like 530. I'd been working in the house all day, hadn't really gotten out, hadn't done any shopping. I'm like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? And then I opened my freezer drawer and I had so many excellent butcher box choices. You know, there was a little New York strip there. There were some scallops there. I actually went with the chicken tenders, Liam. I love those chicken tenders. They're so delicious. I wouldn't have thought I would ever become a chicken tenders girl. They are so perfect for exactly the kind of night I was having last night. So thank you, ButcherBox, for the convenience. Not just for kids, chicken tenders. They're not, they're just delicious. Yeah, delicious. We are talking about ButcherBox, of course. It's the ultimate convenience, right to your doorstep, free shipping always, and you can curate those boxes so you get exactly what you want. And of course, it's high quality cuts at an amazing value. And you get these great exclusive member deals. So you never really know what's going to be in my box this month. You get to choose some fun stuff every month. So thank you, ButcherBox, for making our lives more convenient. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering Satellite Sisters listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters and use code sisters to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Butcherbox.com sisters. Use code sisters. Thanks, ButcherBox. We're back with another episode from the Varsity Blues operation, or as we like to call it, the Edna and Jim, I've already been to college uh, series. (laughs) And then, of course, we're talking about the latest news this week is Lori Laughlin and her husband pled not guilty to to, uh, fraud, bribery, money laundering charges that they are Mm -hmm. insisting that they are innocent. And, of course, we have a system where you're innocent until proven guilty. (laughs) Yeah, but... It seems to me, in my humble opinion, extremely uh, unlikely that they are going to find a jury of their peers. I don't know what I don't know what exactly whether you know they are not taking the advice of their lawyers or they have lawyers that say you're going to be able to beat this rap or perhaps uh, Lori Laughlin um, who is an actor maybe she thinks she can just act her way out of this if she gets on you know if she gets to court and she gets called up that she's going to be able to uh, play innocent and. Uh, a jury will believe her, but I don't think so. Like it's some kind of Hallmark movie. So many other act, so many other players in this scandal have already pled guilty. Yeah, Julie, I read, uh, I guess, some counter programming, you <laughs> might say, in the TV business. Or Lori Laughlin's friends are out there now giving anonymous interviews to like Entertainment Tonight and Entertainment Weekly. Uh-huh. And apparently, the story that she and her husband are sticking with is, oh, they really thought it was a charity, and they really thought this money was going to benefit the school and other kids. Uh-huh. That huh. appears to be the story they're putting out there publicly, you know, to to counter what seems to be an obvious <laughs> miscue yeah. on, on their part. I mean, they do have a right to plead not guilty. Sure, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I, I would but recommend. Everybody, as- but everybody else, I mean, the, the officials at uh, USC, 
um, you know, uh, Rick Singer, who's at the uh, center of this, they have already pled guilty. And he was wearing a wire yes. as well. So there's That's... going to be a lot of evidence. So uh, we'll have to watch that. Mm -hmm. The other development that happened this week is what um, the Varsity Blues, uh, they're calling the next phase where federal prosecutors sent letters to college students and to graduates of, you know, of, who, of parents who had been already implicated in the admission stand, uh, scandal. Now, it's interesting because the federal uh, prosecutors are referring to, uh, to these individuals as young adults. Up to this point, you know, it's always been the parents were helping their kids or their children. But in fact, these college students are young adults and they are receiving target letters, you know, as young adults, meaning that the char uh, charges could be they could be filed against them, not only their wow. parents, but against yeah. them. And so what at least what the experts are saying is they are sending these letters out to the students, particularly those that they think knew that uh, they were cheating in their application process, that they obviously benefited from it, but they were somehow involved. Perhaps they knew that the test taking arrangements were, you know, were off or they were providing their parents with those phony pictures that were doctored where they put different heads on them to make people look like they were on the water polo team or, you know, were rowing crew or laugh. whatever. I mean, that is pretty amazing to think about that as a family activity, you know, the yes. conspiring to either cheat on the test or to, you know, falsify your application, you know? Well, yeah. what do you think? It's, well, you just, did they really realize they were committing crimes? Like, a, that's a good family activity. Let's all get together and commit some crimes. I, I, it, just, I'm sure it wasn't the first time they conspired to get ahead. I'm yes, sure there to were cheat or tutors take involved advantage. writing their essays. Yeah. I'm sure all along there were like strings being pulled behind the scenes to make sure they got the lead in the school play. I just feel like this is, you know, these kind of families, the families that did this, this was not the first time they engaged in micromanaging their children's lives yeah. and their children went along with it. Yeah. It was probably yeah. good uh, to be their children. <laughs> Until it wasn't. Until right now. Until it yes. wasn't, right? Yeah. So well, it's going to be very difficult because these target letters have gone out to the students as as individuals because now they're the prosecutors are trying to get these students to get their parents to plead guilty so that they won't face charges. Wow. So that <laughs> Okay, is, Leon is smiling as you say that. I mean, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It is. I mean, that is really a tough choice. Yeah. Sends mom and dad yes. to jail, you know. So junior doesn't have to so go. So you don't have to go because they got you into a good school. Into right. a pretty good school. A pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's just. Okay. There's Ooh. just going to be loads more here. Yeah. Uh, like this rock has just been kicked over. Mm -hmm. There's right. a lot to uh, learn. Yeah. So okay. this is an area where I just people don't have sympathy because they were such a privileged group and they certainly abuse that privilege. And, you know, and that's I think that's why we're still fascinated with this story. Yeah. They're oh. not just regular cheaters. They were rich cheaters. Yes. You know, and that makes a big difference. Right. It does. It does. Okay, speaking of rich cheaters, I do have an installment of the Bitter Business Bureau today because, uh, as you may have noticed, sisters, we are in the midst of what is being called a 
unicorn stampede. Which, okay, I just could not hate that phrase more. A unicorn, in case you haven't been following along on the business pages, is a startup company that's valued at more than a billion dollars. And they call them unicorns. And there are a lot of them right now already to have major IPOs at the same time. And the flashiest one of all of these is, of course, Uber. The most hateable company out there. It <laughs> no. is. But, but Uber, Uber was founded. This is the, I, there, there's something about their origin story that is really sticking in my craw now. Uh, it makes you, makes you really bitter, Liz. That's well, good. Well, Julie, th- when they IPO, uh, it, the, country, the company will be worth $100 billion, they think. How is that possible? I don't know. So here's how this company started. It was New Year's Eve, 2009. And Travis Kalanick and his friend Garrett Camp, they were like, you know, they spent 800 bucks to hire a private driver to take them around. And they were like standing on a street corner waiting for their driver to come by. And they're like, hey, why couldn't we just have instant cars all the time? Wouldn't that be great? We could just <laughs> we could just have instant cars. So, so, so there's a tone in your voice. <laughs> it is a preposterous idea. The it idea is. that you would get in a car with a stranger. Yeah, I mean, who I thought that that was ever going to work, right? Yeah, yeah. So nobody thought it was ever going to work. But here's the deal, Julie. So yes, it has caught on. And yes, they're going to IPO for $100 billion. But in the paper the other day, this was the headline. So they have to file all the, the prospectus for like the real financial details of what's going on behind the scenes at Uber. So Uber says in IPO filing, it lost $1.8 billion in 2018. Okay, so here's the, this is the part I get kind of mad about. So yeah. let, me, let me get this straight. So your genius idea, the idea that's going to make you $100 billion is losing a couple of billion a year? I, I really, I couldn't help but think, well, we could do that. Yeah. Like we could. <laughs> yeah, why are they getting rewarded? Because each of the founders or, you know, the primary shareholders are, they're going to make a lot of money yeah, with this yeah. public offering. Right. So I just feel like we could think up some ideas that could lose a couple of billion dollars a year. How hard could that be? It doesn't feel <laughs> like. So they're standing there waiting for their car to come thinking, hey, why, you know, why don't we just have cars instantly appear? So this morning I was thinking as I got out of bed, I was like, huh. How about a self-making bed? I bet I could lose a couple billion dollars a year. Don't you think we could lose a couple billion dollars a year trying to invent a self-making bed? Yes, yeah. That, you know, I, I, I would sign up for that service. How about yes. this, Julie? We could lose a couple of billion dollars a year on a robot that walks dogs. Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> I think there are a lot of big ideas that could uh-huh. lose billions. <laughs> So I propose that we start our own startup for ideas that can lose billions of dollars a year. And here's the genius part of my idea. I think we should name our new startup company Uh Unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) So who's in on that? Then we'll just start to feel better about all these crazy stories of things, people making crazy amounts of money. We're going to start up our own unicorn and call it Unicorn. Yeah. So there, Travis <laughs> Kalanick. Yeah. Are there going to be t-shirts with the logo <laughs> on it, Liz? It's going to be cute. I mean, I hate to get stuck on the fact because I just don't understand sort of valuation, but how could you lose $2 billion and be worth $100 billion? What is... <laughs> 
Okay. More on that it's later. Poten- it's potential. I'm sure. You make it up on volume. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I guess. Uh, all right. It's time for magazine tidbits. So hold on to your hat. Phew. Okay. Um, Lighter tales. First of all, I would like to alert all the magazine companies. I'm on to you. I mean, you you canceled magazines that I loved. Uh, like uh, Cooking Light, and uh-huh. now you're trying to slip in things like Southern Living because I had I paid like six Ooh, years I of Southern Living. You don't like Southern Living? Well, I don't live in the South, so I don't know. It's not like I can't grow any of those flowers. I can't. I, I don't cook any of that food. I'm on to you. Okay, so oh, so instead of you, so because Cooking Light is kaput, is kaput. they're just sending you. They just send me something else. So yeah. now I'm getting all these magazines. I like Self went out of business, so now I just who knows what I get for Self. I just could all these magazines I didn't really ever want, but some I do. So here we go. Coastal Living, you remain my A number one magazine. I love you. I don't live on the coast, but I you wish... Know, I was going to say, you, you rejected Southern Living, yeah. but you don't live on the coast, yeah. sister. You're not that far It's aspirational. Coast. Coast, yes. Coastal Living is aspirational for me. Someday, I'm going to get back there. I grew up on the coast, I'm getting back. All right, but here's the story. A number one door color for making up to $6,000 when you're selling your home. Okay, what door colors actually can raise the price of your house? Six grand, which is a lot of money for a couple of coats of paint. Do you want us to guess? Take a guess, Liz. I'd go with red. I love a red door. Julie, how about you? I'm going to say gray. I think everything now is in the gray tones. Julie, you win. It oh. is. I thought it was going to be something dynamic like red yeah, or yeah. eggplant. Oh, no, no. People don't want a red door. No, they're too flashy. Yeah. Everything, the platinum package. You want everything stainless steel and gray. Okay. Black or charcoal gray are oh. the two number one door colors that okay. people want. So if you're listing your house, remember that black, charcoal, gray. And then the platinum package, as Julie mentioned. <laughs> okay. From Health Magazine, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good magazine. It's no self. It's, but it's no good. self, but it's pretty good. It's no Southern living. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like this story. Wedding red flags. And now this reporter went the extra mile because she didn't just go to like a wedding planner. Yeah. She went to wedding bands, wedding photographers, servers oh. at weddings to say, what are the red flags when you see things happening at a wedding? You know these couples are going to be divorced yes. in two years, right? <laughs> oh, I love this because nobody knows, like the wedding photographer, she sees yes. a lot of bad behavior. Okay, so A number one, when people get really, really drunk at their wedding. At their own wedding. Yes. Yes. I didn't even know brides and grooms did that. I thought you were like talking so much and moving around and just putting down that one glass of champagne. You can never even actually drink but apparently there are people that get smashed at their wedding that is a bad sign okay red flag but this was my a number one sign and you know it in your heart julie you know it in your heart the cake smashers the people (laughs) that actually (laughs) smash cake in each other's faces yeah it's it's passive aggressive it's it's aggression (laughs) yeah just bubbling up it's resolved. horrible, yeah. horrible tradition yes. that I rejected. I believe you did too, Liam. Yes. Yeah. And so that, like the wedding photographer said, she said, I know it's anecdotal, but the nice cake people uh, have nice <laughs> marriages and the cake smashers do not. Mm, that is deep. Putting it out there. Deep. Okay. okay. We're, we're moving into wedding season. So this, <laughs> people can be looking for this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not that you want the demise of anyone's wedding. I mean, that's, no. but no. <laughs> Good point. Julie, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't want the demise of anyone's wedding, but I do think just take it off the table, any cake, just cut the cake and move on. Yeah. Just cut the cake and move on. All right. And finally, from Cooking Light, I have to go online now to get my Cooking Light, Mm. but this had five kitchen cleaning hacks you can do in your sleep. I mean, that is- Wait, what? 
five what? kitchen cleaning hacks you can do in your sleep. I mean, that's going to draw me in. That clickbait. That me. seems like an idea for a unicorn. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or a robot. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, here you go, Liz. Freshen up your garbage disposal. I believe I've shared this hack with you. You got to toss in some lemons or some oranges, any yeah. kind of citrus fruit. Just toss it in there, Liz. Okay. All right. You want to uh, defunkify your dishwasher? All right. Yes. Who doesn't, Liz? Yes. You just want a bowl full of white vinegar. Just put it in there overnight while you sleep. Defunk it. Okay. It's just sitting in the bowl. You're yeah. not running the dishwasher. Well, and then you run it. You okay. run it. You All run right. it. Steam clean your microwave. Most of these hacks involve vinegar. Okay. <laughs> So this is another one. Just put a bowl of vinegar in your microwave, uh, hit a minute, and then wipe everything down. Here's well, the one I am I am suspicious about. How can about. I do that in my sleep? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a good plan. That's a good idea. Uh, but um, number two is descale your faucet. Cooking lights really, really into descaling. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Well, if you have soft water, you get all that um, the gray scale. On yeah, a, on actually, if you have hard water, we get a lot of lime oh. deposits. We have a lot of maybe with you have soft. We have super hard, and so you know how your faucet gets all crusty, Liz. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. So imagine this, Liz. It's a hard day at work. You know, you've been working. Yeah. You've been podcasting. Been podcasting. You've been marketing. Like, yeah. You've mm-hmm. been unicorning all day long. You get home. Losing so many billions of dollars every day, it's exhausting. (laughs) Okay, you have have a little glass of wine, have a little dinner, watch a little TV, but what do you want to do before you go to bed? Liz, you want to descale your faucets, okay? (laughs) So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a resealable plastic bag. Yeah. Pour a lot of white vinegar in there, and then jerry-rig it up to your spigot. (laughs) Oh, so it's like dunked in white vinegar. It's like a facial mask for your faucet, Liz. Oh. (laughs) You take it off in the morning, no more scales, Liz. No wow. more scales. Okay. So I know you can do that because that sounds easy to just, what could go wrong there? You could use some duct tape with that. <laughs> okay. There you go. Magazine tidbits. Hacks, Liz. Hacks, Julie. That's okay. what it's all about. Okay. Wow. I, I, good thing I have some uh, white vinegar. I'm going to get right to work Just get on right. Almost anything you can do with white vinegar. I'm getting some on my way home from the studio today, Leanne. All That's right. a good tip. Entertaining Sisters is coming up, but we're going to take a short break. We are so happy at Satellite Sisters to have BritBox as a sponsor. You know, we love it. It's the streaming home of the best British television with exclusive mysteries, crime dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Julie, what's your fave? Vera, I love this show. I'm on season 11. I mean, Brenda Blethyn is such a great actress. And the character Liz Vera, I don't know if you've watched it, but she's essentially Margaret Thatcher in a trench coat, okay? (laughs) She is bossing people around and solving crime. I love her. Okay, well, I want to especially recommend Archie. Archie's a brand new limited series. It's starring Jason Isaacs as Archie Leach. Who is he? He's the man who became Harry Grant. And oh. you know what's so interesting about this is it's sort of about how he became a star in old Hollywood, how he went from being Archie Leach to being Harry Grant. But also because it's him growing up in old Hollywood, there are a lot of people in the in the movie playing Doris Day, Grace Kelly, George Burns. It's little snapshots of what it was like to become a movie star back in the day. So I really enjoyed it and recommend. So sign up for BritBox today to stream Archie and any other fan favorites from any device you have. So we have a special limited time offer. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for the monthly plan. 
but only if you go to BritBox.com and use our promo code SISTERS at checkout. Got it? Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Use promo code SISTERS at BritBox.com. All right. What are we doing? We're doing Entertaining Sisters now. Entertaining Sisters. You had some podcast recommendations, Okay, Sort of an interview we don't need to do. Exactly. Right. (laughs) So last week, Abby Wambach's uh, book came out. Abby Mm -hmm. Wambach was the United States uh, women's national team soccer player. She scored the most goals of any American soccer player in history. She was a team leader, a captain on the team for 15 years, you know, two Olympic medals, World Cup champion. She did it all. Mm -hmm. And then two years ago, she gave a really dynamic speech at Barnard about what her experience was like retiring, standing on the stage at the ESPYs next to Michael Jordan and... I forget Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And she she was thrilled to be there in that company. And then she walked off the stage and she realized, who's kidding who? My retirement is going to be completely different than these two guys because they have made $8 zillion more yeah, and had right. the economic opportunities that I did not have. Mm-hmm. So she put all that anger and that confusion and that inspiration into a speech at Barnard College that went viral. I'm sure we all saw it. Yes. Now it's a book called Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Okay. We didn't, oh, we okay. didn't, yeah, we didn't book her on Satellite Sisters. Someone on the Facebook group said, hey, you should talk to Abby Wambach. That would have been a fantastic idea. <laughs> we did not get on it. But I have listened to two great podcasts with Abby Wambach this week. So I want to recommend them. And the good thing is you can listen to both because yes. you get two completely oh. different conversations great. Oh, all right, that all right, together William. make a single satellite. Yeah, make, mean, make yeah. a single satellite sisters com- conversation. So she spoke to Tina Brown over at TBD. Is a very honest conversation about sort of her personal life and the she's had a very difficult time since leaving professional sports. She talks very openly about what that transition has been like for her emotionally, mentally. She's gone through some depression, a really bitter divorce. She had a DUI charge. Mm-hmm. You know, she has really struggled with life after professional athletics. But then she met someone. She's married again. She has three stepchildren. So you get kind of the emotional playing field, if you will, <laughs> over there with Tina Brown okay. at TBD. Nice. So tune into that yeah. one. Totally. I put the link in our show notes. You can go directly to that episode. Totally worth doing. And then over there at CBS This Morning, their podcast, which I love CBS This Morning, and their podcast is just sort of extra interviews with the hosts, Nora O'Donnell, Gail King, and John Dickerson. So it, it complements it. It's not just the TV show and a podcast. Nora O'Donnell did a fantastic uh, interview with Abby Wambach all about because Nora O'Donnell's a huge sports fan. Mm-hmm. So it's all about sports and leadership. And Nora O'Donnell has been following for 60 Minutes the story of the U.S. women's national team suing oh, fantastic. You know, U.S. Yeah, right, soccer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's been on that. So it's there's so many great stories about leadership and about, you know, I just get really tired about hearing like, oh, we all have to fail to be good leaders. <laughs> okay, whatever. It's really... <laughs> I'm, you know, I don't know if that's you're true. Not, you're not buying that, Liam? Okay. <laughs> but hearing Abby Be Wamb- a unicorn, Liam. Just be a unicorn. <laughs> hearing Abby Wambach tell her story, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. that is an interesting coda, what it was like for her to not be a starter at that last World Cup yes. and have to come in off the bench, which, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of metaphors there, Liz, a lot of metaphors. <laughs> I think if you listen to both of these interviews, you will feel like we interviewed her. And then you also want to go get the book because it sounds like I know I do. Yeah. It sounds like it would be a great graduation gift or like a bridesmaid's oh, gift oh. or if you need a little pick me up because 
it's all in sort of digestible chunks of mm-hmm. leadership. So mm-hmm. I want to recommend TBD with Tina Brown, CBS This Morning podcast, and Abby Wambach's Wolfpack. All okay. together. Good. That's, yep. a, that's a very strong recommendation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Links to everything in our show notes to make it easy for you. Okay, well, speaking of books, this weekend I went to the L.A. Times Festival of Books, which I know we mention a lot, but it is really an amazing thing. 100,000 people go to this. You've been, right, Julie? I have. When I lived in L.A., I went to yeah. it a number of times. You know, I think it's the combination. You have great weather in Los Angeles. Right. And then it is a spectacularly big event. Yeah. Uh, and so all kinds of authors, whatever you need. Um, it's a great book fair to go to. Yes. So, yeah. it's, I mean, it's the kind of thing that if you didn't live in Los Angeles, you could plan a vacation around it. Or if you were, you know, or if you were in Los Angeles on business, you should stay stay the weekend to go to that. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where you can just go with the serendipity of walking around and going to the various booths. There's a huge children's section. There are all these different specialized areas. I sat for a while in the poetry tent. Oh. And it was just poet, poets reading their work. When am I ever going to do that? Never. Uh, yeah. But that's what I did on Saturday afternoon. It was delightful. But there were a couple of authors that I was stalking. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to <laughs> let you know that I managed to um, see the people that I went to see. First, on on Saturday, John Carreyrou, who wrote the book Bad Blood, you know, I think we've talked enough about Theranos. We Liz, don't need- Liz, Leon and I were joking. We think you're qualified as an expert witness to, uh, <laughs> to be at that trial, Elizabeth Holmes' trial. Well, he said, you what? have gone in so deep on that topic, Liz. <laughs> well, I'm just interested again. It's, she was a unicorn. Right. Right. And she was this spectacular story that everyone just, it was irresistible to cover her. And it was all just a big, giant fraud. So, Everybody in the room, they, they, the moderator, who was really good, said, raise your hands if you've already read the book, listened to the podcast, or seen the documentary. And almost everyone raised their hands. So they didn't have to rehash a lot the of story. The, the story, which we already knew. And he just had a couple of like interesting, funny things to say about her, which you wouldn't necessarily have gotten um, just by reading the book. Like, at one point... Uh, somebody asked, and they they were taking questions from the audience. Somebody asked, "Do you think she's she was a con artist, self deluded, or just a sociopath?" And he said, "Yes, <laughs> like all three. He yeah. really feels like she had a bit of all three of those going, and that even now, he said she shows no signs of getting it." She was actually the day they wound down her company, the way the day they actually closed Theranos, she was at Burning Man, like just having fun at Burning Man. So he's going to be covering the criminal trial, Julie, in early 2020. So I'm super excited about that. I Uh, know you are. He's still, you know, he's just a ink stained wretch at the Wall Street Journal. So, Leon, I thought you would find this part interesting, though. So she was asking him kind of at the end of all of this just about what it's like to have a book that becomes such a like social phenomenon. And he said, he said, you know, I'd always been kind of looking for the right um, subject matter, write a nonfiction book. I had never done that. And I just felt like this had everything. So he said, I signed a book deal. And I was like, and that was a big deal. And then three weeks later, I signed a movie deal. And he said, and at that point, not only had I not written a single word of the book, I had never even written a book. So 
Imagine that. That's so much pressure. That's so much pressure. Oh, gosh. But the good news is he says he has sold, because she asked, 603,000 copies of this book. Which is really a lot. That is really a lot. I mean, you can be a bestseller, honestly, in nonfiction selling, or in fiction, selling five. Yeah. If you sell the right 5,000 copies at the right time in the right bookstores. Yeah. So, like, legit selling that many copies of a of a nonfiction book could for him. Yeah. Uh, he's very excited about the movie, all of that. Anyway, he was... I'm uh, asking for Sheila, is he single? Do you know? <laughs> I did not ask. Okay. I did not. That, did that not didn't come up. I think he has... No, he has a wife. It, it was dedicated to his wife. Oh, and yeah. okay. Oh, another thing he said, which may be interesting to the Satellite Sisterhood, when people were asking, like, you know, why were certain people suspicious? And he mentioned that woman, Phyllis Gardner, who was the professor at Stanford. Oh, right. Kind of Mm -hmm. was onto her early. And he said, I just think it's very revealing that she had uh, no female friends and no female mentors. I agree. And I think, yes. It's, We've talked about girls without girlfriends. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a category. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so, okay. So that was John Kerry Rue. It was great. But then I have been in the middle of listening to the biography, Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. So this is a big history, a big biography of, biography of Frederick Douglass that came out at the end of last year. And it made everyone's list of the 10 uh, best books of the year. But it's like... A million pages or something. So here's my here's my tip. I just want to pass along. This is when audiobooks are really great because oh, you don't that's get a good idea, Liz. you don't get intimidated by the audiobook. It's not like carrying around a nine hundred page book. You don't. You're never conscious of oh my god, I have another eight hundred pages or six hundred. You're just I, so I've been listening to it in big chunks for like the last three weeks. And David W. Blight is the Yale professor who wrote this book. So he was on a panel called Biography, The Lives of Legendary African Americans. And this was a fantastic panel. So I got to hear more about David Blight and Frederick Douglass, who, you know, was one of the most important Americans of the 19th century. And yet I felt like I really didn't know much about him except for, you know, he was an abolitionist. Right. But there's just so much more to the Frederick Douglass story. So I'm really enjoying that. But also on the panel uh, was a guy named Jeffrey Stewart, who wrote a book called The New Negro, The Life of Alan Locke. And Alan Locke was the first ever African-American Rhodes Scholar and one of the leaders of the Harlem Renaissance. Oh. So he's someone I had never even heard, heard about. Of. Yeah. And they were both fascinating on this panel. And the next day, on Monday... Both of them won Pulitzer Prizes oh, for, for wow. these two books. So the Pulitzer Prize for um, for history went to David Blight's Frederick Douglass, and for biography went to Jeffrey Stewart's book on um, the life of Alan Locke. So that was super cool. And one, speaking of legendary African Americans, while we're on this panel, because this was Sunday afternoon, the guy I'm sitting in front of me in this big theater at USC was watching Tiger on his phone. <laughs> of course he was. Of course. So, the yes. world was, yes. <laughs> the whole world, including people in the panel. Okay, then, the, oh, and this one, by the way, was filmed for C-SPAN 2. Oh, so Liz, if you are wow. C- oh, I may even watch it again. station. <laughs> wow. C-SPAN 2. <laughs> wow. 
I know we call this the entertainment segment, but I know. you know. Come on. You <laughs> promised me this was going to be entertaining. We talked about this yesterday. Okay, then one last thing. We have talked about Patrick Radden Keefe quite a bit yes, lately. Yes, we have. So he's the author of the, of the book Say Nothing, which we loved. So he was on a panel. So I went to that, and I confess— I totally fangirled him. He was coming out of the men's room, sisters. Oh, and wow. I, I spied him. It is. That's a bold move. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you what think. What did you do or say? I just went over to him. I said, are you Patrick? And he said, uh, yes. I said, I just want to tell you how much I loved your book. I really have. I said, I do a podcast with my sisters, and we have recommended it like every week for the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, thank you very much, and thank you for coming today. And then I just let him go. Yeah. Because, you know, that's right. enough. That was nice of you to let him go, Liz. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you trapped the poor man coming out of the men's room. I know. You could tell him. his most vulnerable point, and you pounced on him. Okay. Anyway, he was very lovely, and that was a good panel. Too, and that panel also filmed for C-SPAN too. So I'm just putting it out there in case you're like rounding the channels and you see the LA Times Festival books. They like it's just high quality people, and all of their panels are great. Leanne, you know because you've been on a panel. I've been on them. Yes, they're just really well prepared authors and moderators, better than most anything else you'll ever. That's the key: is the moderators Mm -hmm. are good. Mm -hmm. That's because I've been on many panels where the moderators are not good, or witness panels, and that's the key. There is they get top notch moderators who take their job very seriously. Yes. Even though no one's paid, everybody shows up and really works hard. So it's yeah. a fun day. No, the, the moderator at the um, Legendary African Americans panel was Marcus Anthony Hunter, who is the head of the African American Studies Department at UCLA. Okay. And he was amazing. Okay. Good tip. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of authors, I'm excited to announce a couple of authors. First of all, Liz, I, I'm glad you were listening to poetry because yes. in a couple of weeks we have on Kim Dower. She is a poet. She was the poet laureate of West Hollywood. We know Kim. She's also an excellent book publicist. Yes. So she has brought us many authors and she sent her own book of poetry the other day. And I read through it. I was like, Kim, you're a fantastic poet. Mm -hmm. And her poems are sort of rooted in domestic life. So we're having Kim on before Mother's Day. I'm excited to talk to her about her new book. I don't think we've ever done poetry on Satellite Sisters before. Well, I I did interview um, Erica Zhang once. And it was as if it was poetry? It was was sort of a free form. It was free. It was free verse. She was at the book festival. Whoa. She was at, yeah. That, yeah. that was a wild ride of Ooh, an interview. Yeah. It just, yeah. I, I think Kim is going to be here in the studio. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. We'll be able to rein her in. <laughs> rein her in. So, but you know, that's a good idea as a Mother's Day gift, yes. a volume of poetry. Right. It's, it's like that's an unusual gift. It's a good idea. So, she has a beautiful new book out called Sunbathing on Tyrone Power's Grave. Mm. She's on tour uh, all over the place. So, I'll put more information up on our Facebook group and uh, also Instagram. But I'm looking forward to talking to her. And then to kick off our best beach bag books, we have booked Jennifer Weiner, the huge women's fiction writer who also writes all the great op eds for the New York Times now. Yes. And is such a vocal spokesperson on behalf of like all female writers for equity for female writers and read what you want to read, write what you want to write. Her new book is called Mrs. Everything, mm-hmm. which, first of all, is the most fantastic title. Yes. I, just, I agree. I agree. 
I agree. And it's the story of... Why didn't we think of that? I know. I know. I know. Uh, And it's... I know. Uh, But it's the story of two sisters told over like a 50-year span. So it's sort of, you know, the scope of history. I'm almost done with the book. I think people will love it. I'm excited that we're going to talk to her the day the book drops. So you won't be able uh, in mid-June. So you won't be able to pre-read the book for us with us before I talk to her. But you can certainly pre-order it. And that will be the kickoff of our best beach bag book. So looking forward to that. And if you want to pre-order, I put a link in the show notes. Okay. You can pre-order that now. I think it's June 11th is the actual pub date. Something yes. like that. Yeah. But yeah. Get sometimes it. those books, sometimes they send them they out ship early. early. Yeah. So if you want to pre-order and be ready because you can you can speed through it. It's just, it's so readable. So looking Jennifer forward to Jennifer Weiner, that's a big get, Leanne. I'm very excited mm-hmm. to talk to her. I just admire her as a, as a, She just speaks her mind Mm -hmm. now. And, you know, I like anyone that publicly fights with male authors. (laughs) (laughs) She's sort of Jonathan Franson. I think think we can build a business around that, Liz. (laughs) Can I pitch that at the next unicorn meeting? Oh, we could lose billions of dollars on books. That's for sure. (laughs) On good books. Yeah, they don't make any money. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We would like to thank our sponsors for this week. You can always find links to the sponsors and to the offers at SatelliteSisters.com. Thanks to the people who support us, and thanks to you who support the people that support us. We appreciate it. We would like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio, for making us sound great. Um, Liz, we, we're taking next week off. Yeah, yeah. The, our show. There yes. will be no new Satellite Sisters next week, taking a little spring break, because then then we have a long haul. Yes. A long, we got a lot of shows coming up Straight after that. Straight through the Beach Bag books. But yeah. I did want to yeah. let people know that in your feed in the next week or two, you're going to get some other show recommendations from us. One of the things that we love about being in the Wondery Network is there are a lot of other great shows here, and so we're going to be giving you excerpts of some of the ones we think you would be interested in. Next week you're getting an excerpt from the show Imagined Life, which is really unique. I won't tell you any more about it. Okay. Just listen to the excerpt. We think you're really, um, we just want to turn you on to some cool new stuff. So you'll see that drop and every once in a while in the future, you'll you'll see more of those in our feed. Okay. Excellent. All right. Our to-do list. Uh, Jewel, what, what are you up to? What's on your to-do well, list? Well, I can't believe this. This is a life-turning moment, life-changing moment. My son and daughter-in-law cooked up a plan for this weekend. Uh, We're going to the beach, the uh, Texas Gulf uh, Coast, but it's all their plan. We, my husband and I are the guests. So that is a turning point as for a mother that like you are nagging your kids for years, (laughs) arranging family trips and vacations and holidays. And they came to us with this plan. Oh, wow. Bravo. That is pretty nice. That's a that's a nice moment. So we're going away. I don't know. We're not in charge, Leanne, but it's going to be fun. Oh, good. That'll, that will be fun. Nice to it take will. advantage of our Tuesday off there. Mm-hmm. Well, I have exciting news because this is something I committed two months ago during our week off. I will be speaking to a bunch of Carmelite nuns. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, you know I love the sisters. No, yeah, I you- am speaking at a fundraiser for... Uh, what would it be? A community of cloistered Carmelite nuns here in well, Southern California. Yes, it is. It's hard we need to more Im- prayer. I'm glad people are doing that. Yes. Good. I just didn't know there were communities of Carmelite nuns anymore, anywhere, but especially here in L.A. Right. I know it does, does seem improbable here. Yes. But no, I am going. They have a... 
they have a cloistered community, and then they also have a community that is out and about, and they have um, a home for the aging. So oh, I'm hoping I'm sure just to of reserve a bed. <laughs> reserve a bed. <laughs> Build up some indulgences. But I will be speaking to, it looks like about 150 women next week. So hauling out all my good nun stories, my sister jokes. You know, I'm going to keep it clean. Going to keep it clean because we have nuns in the office. I mean, nuns in the audience, you know, but uh, so I'm looking, looking forward to that. Okay. And then, Liz, what do you got going on? Well, I think it's all about white vinegar now for me, Leah. Yeah, I, you, there you go. Totally inspired me because if if there's anything I'm t- into, it's like cleaning while I sleep. <laughs> so on my way home, it's the white vinegar in baggies on my list. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Uh, tell me, let me okay. know how it goes. Yeah, you got to report on that. Keep, yeah. Keep us posted, as she would say. Keep I'm sure posted. your neighbors will be happy that you're taking, taking up white vinegar. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to defunkify. <laughs> yeah, we all need to defunkify. I'm on it. All right. Uh, happy Easter to those who celebrate. Anything else coming up? People have a lot of spring breaks, so yep. s- stay safe. Just uh, enjoy. We hope you get some good weather there in Minnesota. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Did you s- <laughs> I see the Midwest? I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. And for those of you celebrating Passover, that too? Yes. 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 Thinking of you, we'll be off next week and then back the week after. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>